Welcome to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast with your host, Alicia McCormack. Alicia will keep you on budget and on track so you can plan your big date without the big price tag. Alicia's friend, now wife, Mary, who is a Hobartian, where I'm from in Tasmania in Australia, and she now speaks fluent Danish. I mean, she's probably had a bit of time on her hands to learn and probably some good tuition. I'm guessing she's not going down the local adult education centre for Tuesday night Danish lessons. She's probably had some private tuition, but I'm always impressed hearing Mary speak Danish while looking simply gorgeous. I will actually say, and this is controversial because I live in England, I will say that I think she is should be above Kate on the best dress list. If you don't know Mary... Google her. She's stunning. Very similar hair. The irony of the salmon saleswoman job was, for me, I don't really like fish. I'm not a big big fan of fish because I don't like the smell of fish. And this job was a summer job at university where I was selling smoked salmon at a yacht club where they were holding the Royal National Bloody Yachting Championships of some sort. I've forgotten. I wasn't that interested, to be honest, until the, the royalty showed up. And then I was like, let's go. Let's meet these folks. So it wasn't it wasn't a great job. I spent the whole time handling salmon and then using sort of harsh, abrasive um, detergents and bleach to get rid of the fish smell. So then I just smelt like, you know, bleachy fish, which in turn I would then try and use hand cream, like floral hand cream to disguise the bleachy fish smell. And it was just wrong. In the end, it was wrong. And it took me weeks not to smell like that anymore. So, yes, I did get to meet a member of the Danish royal family, but I smelt like bleachy fish floral flavours, and it's one I will never forget. Something I hope I don't forget in a hurry was my visit to the Savoy Hotel in London. I put my fancy pants on. I got a little dressed up. I got a bit tizzy to go to the Savoy to meet Bruce Russell, their in-house wedding planner and master of all things gorgeous and event planning. Bruce has over 18 years of experience in the events industry. He's travelled the globe working at world-famous locations, organising events for lots of interesting wealthy people. And look, you don't just become the wedding planner at the Savoy without a good reputation. And I will say spending time in Bruce's company, that he is gracious and very giving and also very enthusiastic about the wedding industry and his clients. On the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, I like to bring you guests that can provide lots of information to help you make the right decisions and the fun decisions in your wedding planning journey. And I know we can't all get married at the Savoy and we can't all hire wedding planners like Bruce Russell, but the fun thing about interviewing him and and bringing him on the show was that he provided so much valuable information that you could use even if you're planning a backyard wedding and only spending $500 or pounds. Bruce has plenty of of sassy info that will help you out. And also it's just nice to have a little bit of a perv in the world of poshness. I said to Bruce afterwards, I'd happily move into the Savoy if they'd have me. I mean, do they need an artist in residence? They need a podcaster in residence. The Savoy, if you're listening, I am free. I don't take up much room. I'm a small person. So while I'm packing my suitcases, let's go to the interview with Bruce. What's the first wedding that you ever planned? 
first wedding as an unofficial planner, because I wasn't in the planning business at that point, was uh, one of my best friend's weddings in my hometown. The pressure of doing a friend's wedding it, as your first wedding. It was one <laughs> of those things that you just get roped into. So without realizing that I was planning someone's wedding, I did. <laughs> I love that, just to go, you get swept up in it, and then go, oh, actually, I just planned your wedding. Exactly. <laughs> without realizing you've done it. Was it harder to plan a friend's wedding than some a total stranger who's come to you and pays you money? Uh, probably not, in the sense that it, it's somebody you know well. I think the, the most challenging part of my job is getting to know the couple, mm. so that I can, I'm not planning my wedding. So I'm planning theirs. So I need to get to know them and understand their likes, dislikes, their values, their passions, what they're happy about, and what they actually want the day to become, which you don't always get in those first five minutes. Mm -hmm. But when it's somebody that you know, that you've known for years, it's second nature. Were you freaking out on the day just going, please let this all go right? No, because I think at that stage, you don't realize that things can go wrong. It wasn't my career at that stage in life, but it was a point where you just you just did, and yeah. you didn't realize, and, and there was probably little error for things, because of, you know, the fact that it was my hometown, it was, you know, you had access to everything you needed, and there wasn't much chance of anything going drastically wrong, other than weather. But, Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But now, you, now I plan for, for everything. If anything possibly can go wrong, I've probably dealt with it, thought of it, or am planning for it. And on the day, I know that if the cake maker has, you know, the van's gotten run into by another van and the cake is in pieces, that there will still be an absolutely stunning cake sitting in that ballroom when, when the bride and groom walk in. At the end of the day, the guests will never know it wasn't the planned cake. But it's, I just need that peace of mind that if things are going to go wrong, I have a team of vendors, suppliers um, at the venue that can literally help me solve it. And so that's a part of your job is trying to source these people. How do you find these amazing vendors? Have you got a secret, some sort of secret technique? Because you're very charming. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> turn on the Bruce charm. Anyone's uh, going to turn up and go, yeah. It can be difficult at times because you get, it, it's about finding the people that I can trust, finding also the vendor that is a good fit for the client. You know, the personalities need to work. It, it's also about getting creative and finding people who can do new things and have as much passion and creativity for what they do as I do. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of meeting. It's a lot of networking. You know. In that first five seconds or ten seconds, you know if you're going to get on with someone or not. And, and just by watching. And then it's, you know, as, as it is with me and my business, it's word of mouth. For, for listeners who haven't heard of the Savoy, I mean, most people would have heard the name, I, the Savoy. I'm sure they've heard the name. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. I did a bit of a Google last night. Elizabeth and Philip hooked up here. This is where they met. They did, actually. And there is a photo of, um, of the Queen as a princess. You're ball. much better. I said Elizabeth and you're the queen. <laughs> the queen is the princess. Um, at a ball that she attended in the Lancaster Ballroom, which I believe was on the occasion that they, they would have met. Oh, how lovely. Working at the Savoy, you would attract a wide range of clientele. Your knowledge base would be quite huge with traditions and cultures. So I'm assuming you would get couples coming in from all over the world. 
Yes, you do. You get, you know, you get the local clientele from what I call local from London or the UK, people who have been saving up for years for their wedding, who want that special venue and, and magical moment. But it's also different cultural elements, kosher catering in-house, so a number of Jewish weddings, Asian weddings are becoming more popular for the hotel because now that uh, some families are looking to do things a little more intimate, we can accommodate, you know, the that size because they can be huge weddings exactly but normally it's two or three days and so at least one of the components can can happen here people just want to make the day last yes so it's about the rehearsal or the day before or the post-day brunch or the some type of entertainment so things are exactly they're extending beyond the one day wedding day really um do bridezillas exist i I just want to describe bruce's face is a very (laughs) thinking tactful wondering they do exist, and I think, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. There is no other day that you will plan yourself that will be that emotional. And I think when you, you know, you add the emotion, and then depending on your personality as a perfectionist, and you want everything to be so-so, and this, and then the added pressures of family and friends, and everybody has an opinion. Um, it can be quite overwhelming. And if you don't have an avenue to be able to let go of that, then it comes out in another way. And how do you, if they're freaking out, going, Bruce, things are right, but I doubt anyone's ever yelled at you like that, by the way. No, uh, no I don't think so. For, from my side, you've seen so many and you've met so many people. And, and being a, a people person, if I can say that, you can sort of predict when things are going to get a little bit too much. Mm. And you have to kill it then before it does go too far. You should be in politics. <laughs> Some days I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> How many weddings do you have on the go at once in the, your brain? <laughs> do you know, I think the craziest I've done is this past summer I had three weddings in the same week. Wow. So from an operational perspective, that brings on a whole new set of challenges. Uh, from the planning side of things, as long as you don't mix them up, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, you just go, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Sprout. Oh, sorry, Jones. Oh, gosh. Oh, you the red flowers? Oh, you got the that, one. I was going to say, that you can get away with. It's, as long as you don't have the wrong vendor show up on the oh, wrong day. Wow. <laughs> I just think you just got to bullshit and just figure it out. Just go, quick, quick. Now, this is exactly what you wanted, isn't it? It's what you said. Go, quick. Yeah. It's about waking up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, yes, okay, oh, I need to add that. I hate the wake-ups. Mm. I bet it happens often. But no, because you're so organized, as if it would. <laughs> Shortest turnaround on a wedding you've had to do? Three days. Talk to me. What the hell? Small, 25 people, oh. but it was literally, I met them on Sunday, and the wedding was Friday. <laughs> and it was, you know, even though it was small, it's still, you need to find a menu, you need to find a florist, you need to find a photographer, you need to set up the timings for the church, you need to get the choir, you need to, you know, there were all of the elements. So whether it's two, three, ten people, or 300, it's the same amount of planning. Was it a Kardashian wedding? What's going on? No, it sounds no, like one. It just, it was, honestly, it's the world we live in today. It was two people that looked at their diaries and looked at their family's diaries that they wanted there and said the only day that works in the next three months is this day. Unbelievable. And it happened to be five days later. Did they have a lot of coin? <laughs> You don't have to answer that. We'll take that as a yes. The biggest budget you've had to deal with, and I say had to deal with, the biggest budget you've had that I, fun that spending. I had, that I had the privilege of, oh. of managing 
In excess of 500,000. Oh, I'm going to have to have a little quiet sit down. A little quiet moment. 500,000 pounds. Yes. Gee whiz. I mean, good luck to you. If you've got 500,000 pounds to spend on a wedding or a house or both, good luck. But I think times have really changed. And recently I was at the National Wedding Show and I caught up with a couple of mothers of the brides and grooms about how weddings have changed in their lifetime. My darling, I've been married twice. First time in a registry office and the second time in a hospital ward. So this is nothing like I've ever seen before. I'm going to have another wedding because I never had all of that, so I'm going to, I'm going to relive it from Lisa. Because so, we're just, just really worried about the music, the dress, what people were going to drink and eat, and now there's just everything, you know, the flowers, the accessories on the table, the wedding favours, just the dress, just everything, isn't it? I got married in 1965 at a probably a fraction of the price but I had no say in it my mum was paying for it she had her friends I had two so mum invited all her crew and you had your two friends one was the best man one was the bridesmaid and how many did mum bring along it was it was quite a big-ish wedding I guess and we didn't actually stay for the the evening do we went <laughs> it's just mum's friends anyway you wouldn't have fun How's that? Mum organises everything. Things are a bit different now, aren't they, Bruce? Exactly. <laughs> and mother probably baked the cake. Friends chipped in on everything. Grandmother made the dress. It was it was very much a collaboration within the family and friends. So, do you think we've lost a little bit of that of that that family that sort of pers- personal touch in a wedding? I don't. That's one thing that I really try to encourage with my clients is keeping the personal elements within the wedding. I think the challenge we're faced with, not only with the bride and groom, but with extended families, is that they're not all in the same location. They don't live in the same city. We've all got busy lives. Everybody has a career, a job, family, children. So it's. It's. I think the time that we have is is much more limited. But I think the time that we do invest, I try to ensure that, that it's well invested and that those personal touches still come out, even though it's not being personally done or managed by, by mother or grandmother. I was so surprised, talking to couples, how far in advance people are planning weddings these days. One girl I talked to was planning a 2017 wedding, and she'd already bought the dress. I'm like, I don't even know how fat or thin I am going to be next <laughs> week. <laughs> it's, it, it is interesting. I think people who have time often can be a little bit indecisive. And it's one of those things where, you know, I try to encourage them to, to have a general idea going into it so that the process can be quite seamless. You know, what you don't want is work two months or two weeks on a specific element of the wedding, such as a dress or the cake or flowers and then attend another wedding and say, oh, now I, I want to change this, or now I want this. There, there is a reason that you're making decisions along the way, and because you are building your day. You're not just adding elements because you love them. So I think if you've got a longer planning process, just make sure you enjoy it. Yes, that's a big takeaway, mm. isn't it? Enjoy it, because people get so wound up and so stressed about weddings. This is a really great day. You don't want to be mental. Exactly. And miss it. And miss the process or fight with people. So many angry people. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's one of those events. It's it's a a once-in-a-lifetime event. We hope. 
you can be help or try something. Hey, you might get to do it again and then do it better the next time. Repeat clients. Oh, this is... (laughs) Oh, stop right there, Bruce. Have you ever organised the same one of the couple's next wedding? The answer is yes and no. I've I've never... I've I've done or I am in the process of doing the same couple twice. I love it. But it's the same couple. So we did their... Their initial small, very small, intimate wedding for about twenty-five people earlier in the year, and now next month we're doing um, celebrations for for three hundred. Wow! If you do your job, which I've no doubt you do your job very well, then if there is a divorce or some sort of issue, <laughs> they go, "Hey, Bruce did a great job the first time. Let's crack on and go well, back." I did. I once did have. There was a couple who, for you know, for whatever reason, called up, the wedding was called off. The groom phoned me about a year later to say, oh, I may need your services again. Oh, different gal? <laughs> different gal. Yes. <laughs> well, you make, a good, you make a good impression. So Bruce. obviously, yes, that was a good impression, even though the wedding didn't happen, but hey. <laughs> I love it. The bridal room. Can you tell me a little bit about what the bridal room is and how we can use it? Throughout the process of, of my business over the last four years has been... You know, as you mentioned, finding the right suppliers, the right vendors. We are overwhelmed today with information when it comes to planning your wedding, whether it's about the dress, the flowers, the style, the decor, the venues, the menus, the the experiences, um, you know, the, the wellness side of it, the weekends away. But nobody really focused on the luxury end of the of the industry. And that's one thing I found when speaking to suppliers that they didn't feel that there was that element of, of a, an avenue to showcase their work and their products, possibly. Uh, so the Bridal Room is an online platform that basically gives people access to all of that. To me, so through experiences that we've created, so you can spend a day with me, breaking up the planning process and the consultations that I do, the services that I provide my clients, but breaking it down, and then giving access to amazing people. So you're, it's like a personal introduction to people that we're quite hard to get to normally. It is. It is. Oh. And because I think that sometimes we're, we're just so caught up in the, in the day-to-day craziness of, of lack of time that this then takes you back and reintroduces the, the art or the experience of, of planning it and enjoying it. So rather than just going to, you know, you've got an hour slot at a dressmaker... For, to try on 15 dresses, let's turn this into an experience for you. That's let nice. me, you know, let's educate and make it fun, whether it's for you, the bride, the mom, the bridal party, and all of those elements, or the bride and groom, really. You know, why not spend a day or a weekend talking about menus and wines and, and with someone who has been there, done that, and has access to people and can introduce you to people? Trends. I'm a lover, hater of trends. Because <laughs> We're on the same page. Great. They're always like, what's the trend this year? And you just go, look, you've got to make it for what you want to make it. Trends start somewhere. Somebody has to set them. Somebody has to start them. One of my favorite movies was the whole Devil Wears product. Oh, me too. Where, you know, she just takes you back from that blue jumper. What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. You're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who 
showed Cerulean military jacket. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Huge fan of trends. If they work for you, great. Mm. Just make them personal. And, and that's really, you know, the one thing that, that I can say. We follow patterns, you know, whether it's a movie that's come out, you know, I think back to Gatsby and the whole 20s. Oh, gosh, everyone had a flapper wedding. Yeah, which is great. If that's Gorgeous. what you wanted, wonderful. But then, you know, the one piece of advice I would tell someone doing that is, you know, when your kids look at this <laughs> 20 years from now, are they going to think, oh, this is really my parents? Or have you just gone for a theme that works for you? But it, you know, it's it's a very personal choice. You know, the, the do it yourself yeah. is great, but you I think that sometimes you get carried away with the what you think is easy, you know, from whether it be bunting, jam jars or whatever, <laughs> until you get, you know, to two weeks from your away from your wedding and you think, Oh my god. I have to do all of this. Now. And your hand is is from the claw from a glue gun. Well, and the thing the thing is, you, what you don't want to happen is you don't want to walk into the venue or walk into the marquee and look at that and think, oh, that was just hell putting yes. it together. You want you want to enjoy the process. So I mean, planning and timing is great, but being realistic of if you are not an artistic person and you don't love that chances are you won't love doing it for your own wedding, which is supposed to be the most special day of your life. Maybe just buy it from Etsy if you're obsessed. Exactly. Buy it. Let someone there, else get there, it. You can find anything online, or there, there are some great people as well who, who will provide that service. Job satisfaction. If you had to sum it up for you, what is it? I think it would be... I mean, there, there is that moment. I always say the one moment where I feel just a sense of accomplishment and pride is is usually you know at the end or towards the end of the evening where all of the formalities are done everybody's on the dance floor everyone's having an amazing time and I'm standing behind in a corner just observing and that's where I realized this is why I do this you'll get the guests coming up to you whispering are you the wedding planner and then you say yes because you think are they going to complain? What are they going to ask for? What do I need to do for you? And usually it's, this has been the most amazing day. Uh-huh. And that just makes it all worth it. Stoked. You'd be stoked. Yeah. Because they haven't, you know, they don't need to do that. No. But also people, you know, there's, I, as I said, I've been to some weddings where they've been really underwhelming. Mm. But some of the best weddings have just been, you know, wonderful, laid back. Yeah. Well, they appear laid back. Exactly. And that's, that's the magic. Not everyone can come and have a Savoy Bruce Russell wedding. If you had to give some tips about meeting a wedding planner, whether to use a wedding planner at all, where do you start with that? Do your research, I think, um, and meet people. The most important thing as part of that relationship with the planner is you want to trust that that is the right person. Financially, it is a luxury. 
so I think you need to be realistic on budgets and what you can afford. There are people at different ranges or spectrums in the industry and charge for their fees in very different ways. And looking at, if not qualifications, then their history. What have they done? Where have they worked? What's their career path like? You know, is it somebody that if you have £20,000 to spend on a wedding or you have £200,000 to spend on a wedding, is that someone that you feel you can trust with basically your money? It's it's a business. It's completely, it's a very personal um, connection, but it's a business transaction. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, your wedding planner is, you know, becomes very personally involved in your lives, but it... They're a business partner. They're not your best friend. Here, I'm going to give you an example of when things didn't go right, but you fixed it. My example of my career is I once hung up on a Prime Minister on national radio, 47 stations around Australia. It was the fuck-up of all fuck-ups, to be honest. <laughs> but I fixed it because I redialed and I sucked up big time to his PA, but it was a mess. Anything like that happened to you? Gosh, I've either blocked it out of my memory <laughs> or, you know, the things, things and clients just look at me strangely when I say this. Things never go perfectly to plan. But perfect is a weird thing I think we've become obsessed with. Yeah. Because the fun things are when things don't go to plan and you have a real experience. And as long as you, they may not go to plan, but as long as you have a plan for that plan not happening, <laughs> you're okay. So I don't think there's been any major, major disaster, nothing that sort of sticks in my mind. But I would say, you know, and this is something that I'm fully supportive of, is just be honest. Yes. And, you know, grovel and apologize and do what you need to do. And at the end of the day, you know, unless it's been catastrophic, um, yeah, it's, I, I truly believe that you just need to own up to it. I see your job primarily as a mediator as well. It is. You know, if somebody said to me, oh, yes, I want the speech to be, you know, all about me and I want it to be 45 minutes. And I said, okay, put yourself in your guest shoes. You know, you're going to be sitting at a point in the meal probably where it's either the beginning or the end. So either you want food or you've had too much food. Uh, and and you're now sitting through something that you're mentally probably have the attention span of five minutes. Yes. And if it goes beyond that, it better be entertaining enough to keep you glued to your chair. Because what starts to happen is, you know, someone nips up for a cigarette or, oh, I just need some fresh air or I need rustling. to go here. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's about just thinking from your guest perspective what they, what you would want to experience. Well, look, I, I did attend a wedding where the groom did a speech, which was basically like a LinkedIn, uh, a LinkedIn speech, where he just told about all his achievements. It was mortifying. Do you think sometimes for vendors, people coming up to, you know, with a photo and going, I want this, do you think that actually removes a bit of the creativity? Because I think the joy of going to a cake maker is going, get creative. It, no, no, it can. I think it can. And it, it really depends on the person you're going to see with that. It, it's very easy for me if somebody comes and says, oh, I want this, 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 and this. They've got the list, they've researched it, and that's exactly what they want. Perfect. It makes my job easy. Yeah. <laughs> but then what I want to do is put my personal touch to it and also bring in their 
personalities and, and their own personal lives into it. Can I just to, say, why hire Bruce Russell if you're not going to let Bruce <laughs> Russell do his thing? Because there is no point. It would be so easy not to. I would be so sad if someone came to you with a list and just said, do this, Bruce. <laughs> but so, as long as they can make decisions, I'm okay. <laughs> what was your first ever job? My first ever job was um, working in a video store back in the days now, of, of movie videos. Can we stop? Because I worked in a CD shop. And now you go, well, kids these days don't know what videos or CDs no, exactly. are. No, exactly. Kids Sorry, these days. No, me too. Don't worry. A video shop. Did you watch a lot of movies? I did. See, that's, to me, when I was growing up, the video shop job was the dream job. Because you would stand there, you'd rewind the tapes... Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. And you get the screen, you could pick the video that was yeah. on. Dream job. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> video job to planning weddings at the Savoy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Your best budget tip. Be realistic and identify the elements that are really important to you. Bruce Russell, it has been such a pleasure meeting you, talking to you with you, sitting in the Savoy. I'm feeling very fancy. <laughs> Very, very fancy. Thank you so much for being on the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, and I hope we get to meet again soon. I'm sure we will. What a gentleman. What an absolute gentleman. Bruce, you can plan my parties any day. Thank you again for coming on the show. And uh, that brings us nearly to the end of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast for this week. But I want to remind you that if you have a suggestion for a show topic, if you have a question, if you have some sort of odd request, something you want me to investigate please do contact me via the website at savethedatepodcast.com. I'm always delighted to receive your correspondence. And while you're there, you can download this week's show notes and all show notes from past episodes if you need to catch up. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, I would love it if you could subscribe and review. And if you have friends getting married or wanting to get married, share the love. Spread the word. Everyone's happy. Until next week. Happy days.